Welcome to Rewrite the Rules, the show about women leaders in Asia. My name is Ritu Mehrish and I interview successful women leaders across Asia to discover how they are rewriting the rules of life, career and relationships. From these conversations, we will get practical and actionable tips that we can use to accelerate our own career journeys. Don't worry about writing all the points because I will summarize them at the end for you. We will also link the entire transcript in the show notes. Welcome, Palin, to the show. I'm really excited to have you on our show today, and I'm sure our listeners are in for a treat. Thank you. So all that I'm going to say is Palin is a pioneer in introducing litigation PR to Singapore. Palin, tell us a little bit about what's your forte? What is it that you do? I think it's a really big word, litigation PR. It usually throws people off a little bit. My career is in public relations. And uh, a lot of what I do is in strategic communications work, um, doing some amount of branding, media lasting work, and securing publicity opportunities for my clients. It's an industry that's about 100 years old. So it's a very young industry um, in the world. And although I've been in this industry for 20 years, my parents, uh, who are both educated, continue to ask me, so what exactly do you do? For a living. But essentially, what I do in litigation PR is, um, uh, is to help people or companies or organizations who are in the midst of litigation deal with their reputation. So in other words, whilst um, their lawyers and their legal team work with them in the court of law, my fight for them is in the court of public opinion wow. and, and to try to see if um, we could persuade people um, um, to listen to their story in the middle of a court case, uh, whether it's a criminal prosecution matter or a civil suit between two organizations. So uh, I would say litigation PR work takes up about the 20 to 30 percent of, of my work today. Um, and, and the only reason why I'm doing it is because uh, I started uh, my, my working life as a lawyer, as a litigation lawyer. So um, that sort of provides the background as to why mm. when I moved industries from the practice of law to PR. Uh, Palin, I picked up this interesting thing, as you were saying, you made a transition from being a lawyer to PR, two different industries, two different kind of works. What made you do that? My mother. So when I was in school, my mother decided um, when I was very young that, oh, you can count very well. You shall be an accountant. You will be an accountant since you, math is your strong subject. And, and when I was choosing a university course, I, I decided I would do something. I would do anything except being an accountant. Why law? Because my mother said, there's no way you could get into law. Oh, okay. You think so? All the more, I'll just do it. Studying law, um, um, although it started out as something that I, I did just to make sure I didn't become an accountant, um, I ended up falling in love with it, loving legal practice. And um, the first year of my legal practice, I didn't go home um, until about 1 a.m., 2 a.m. every single day. I worked wow. seven days a week. So because we had to put billable hours, I built 364 days. Um, that first year, which means I only stopped working for one day. And, wow. and then my mother said, 
you, I didn't send you to school, so I'll never see you again. I mean, in Singapore, in a typical Asian family, we don't leave the home until、yeah. we are married. She felt that I needed a life, and and that working is not a life. I loved my work,、um, and then my mom said, "We're going on a holiday end of the year as a family. Your younger brother and sisters are graduating." She, she she's a dramatic Asian mother, right? So she says, "Last time, last time we're gonna have a holiday as a family, and if you're not gonna be there, you move out of my house." And I said, "Oh wow!" And I started counting. Oh, I I earn three thousand dollars. If I pay rental somewhere, I I'm not gonna have any cash left. It's not worth it. Yeah, maybe I I, I should move out. I I should I should go for the holiday, and so I told my boss um um probably in August that oh I'm resigning I'm giving you four months notice I need to go on a family holiday and I couldn't take leave because I had two major trials in January which my boss would require me to be around to prepare for the trials and 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 I knew that um um it. It was just wrong to apply for leave, and so、um, I left legal practice, and that was when I decided、um, to try and do PR with a very good friend、um, that grew up with me. We we sat around in cafes,、uh, having coffee, and thinking, "What are we going to do with the rest of our lives?" And my friend said, "Let's be an entrepreneur." And I said, "Yeah, that sounds cool." We thought about opening a cafe, a sushi bar. Actually, we were really. Um, fixated on wanting to open a sushi bar, and then we checked out the cost. It, it's like hundred over thousand rental renovations, getting licenses, and and I went home and I said, Mom, do you have a hundred thousand for me? I I wanted to start a business. This was twenty years ago. Mom said, No way, not a single cent for you.、Uh, you could do whatever you want without money from me. And I said, Okay. And that's how we ended up with PR. My friend said, Hey, PR is like you don't need money to start. I'm like, Oh, really? Okay, okay, let's do it then. Whatever it means. We、yeah. were just two young ladies thinking we could conquer the world when we had nothing. And, and yeah, what a journey has been. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. But but you know, in that youth and、uh, being so naive in in a way, led you to do that because if you'd overthought <laughs> it, I don't think so. You you would have this agency today, right? If I had the knowledge and the hindsight. Today, I wouldn't have done that. Really,、yeah. I wouldn't have done that, and and it's just insanity. <laughs>、yeah. And so now you you've been doing this for twenty years. You said, right? That's right. I'm sure there were many moments which defined, redefined you and the work. But if you were to look back, were there few incidents, few milestones that you know twists and turn in those twenty years? Talk, tell us few of them. PR as a skill set, I think、um, it was. Not so difficult learning it when we really put our minds to it, wanting to do it.、Um, my business partner, she had a degree in PR and she had work experience in PR. As for me, I I just bought a lot of textbooks, borrowed them from the libraries, and just learned what it was about. And I realized it wasn't that difficult、um, or, or that different from legal practice. Like I said,、mm. it's really about convincing people.、Uh, in legal practice, it was about convincing the judge. Uh, there are no jury system in Singapore, so it was only、yeah. one guy, the judge. And in 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 PR, it's really about convincing the target audience or the public、um, of of their opinion. So、um, to that extent, I think it's advocacy、uh, in a different way.、Um, but in terms of the 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 challenges, like like you mentioned, right?、Um, 
uh, along the way. One key part of it was that uh, we were very young bosses, you know, and in the initial stage, being very young, we thought that hey, we're paying you salary. You you should do you should do anything we want you to do, and if you don't do it well, we're gonna scream and shout at you mm. until it's done, right? And then um, a, a year, about a year in, we met uh, a client um, who really kept talking about investing into uh, people that worked with him. And 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 after several conversations where we heard him tell the story to the media when we arranged media interviews, and we got intrigued ourselves, and and, and we really sat him down and said, "Teach us." Teach us and tell us how do you like train people with such an open heart and 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 not worry that they will leave and resign and and take all your secrets and all your whatever you've taught them away. Right. And and that was the first guy that told us, you know, um, whilst this person is working for you and and earning salary from you for one month, this person is your team member, and if you don't train him enough. Um, and allow him to contribute to his maximum capacity. He may not be the best player in in your team, and therefore you are doing yourself a disservice. And and actually, so in in running the business over the years, HR managing people, learning how to be a servant leader, uh, to some extent, it's it's um it's it's one of the biggest like thing I've learned and, and, and challenges. And I think it continues to be a challenge as we deal with um, a changing demographic of, of, of workforce that joins us. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I'm tempted to ask this because you said you were these two young ladies started this, <laughs> this agency. Did you have any challenges initially to get clients or people taking you seriously? The first three years, I remember I didn't wear anything but full suits to, to meetings because we had people, I had a client ask me, um, me and my business partner, Julie, she, we were across the table from him. We presented our idea to launch the MP3 player. Okay, back then, MP3 players were the later. We pitched for the project. We had great ideas. And this, um, the client sat across us and said, I, I have a few questions for you. And we were, we were going to answer questions related to the project. And he said, how old are you? And, and we were like, we, I remember we were 25, 26, and we went, we're almost 30. And, and then he said, how old is your company? You know, and, and we said about almost two years, you know, when we were actually barely at first year. And, and then he said, how big is your company? How many people are there? And I, there were two of us, and then, but we said, um, um, yeah, a few more. And then he says, okay, I love the ideas. I loved your energy. Um, I think we quoted him maybe $12,000 hmm. to do it 20 years ago. And he said, I'll pay you 2000 it's hmm. you. It's an honor to do my brand launch, and and once you have that in your credentials, it's it's to your advantage. You should be paying me to do my work, so I, I'll pay you two thousand to you know cover your expenses and 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 you do it. So I think we were looking back. I think we were definitely bullied hmm. to some extent, right? And yeah. so I I I think. From a business point of view, people may say that's what business is all about, finding the opportunity to 
to and the best is a willing buyer, willing seller kind of an idea. Yeah. Um, we did we did take the job by the way. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, sure. Uh, but yeah, we we felt like we needed to be older all the time until. We hit our forties, and then we wanted to be younger. I remember even when I was like forty-two, forty-three, and if I walked into, you know, with really senior leadership teams, and they would ask, I would always say, "Yeah, you know, when you're in your late forties, or like I would always exaggerate my age." Whereas all my friends were like, "Are you serious?" And actually, that's really cool because women no more have to hide the age. I mean, we can wear it on our sleeve, you know, exaggerate if we need to. So it's perfect in these. 20 years as you look back were there few challenges uh, were there some obstacles that you faced and um, you know what were they but also more importantly how did you overcome them i think one of the biggest challenges uh, was uh, like i said managing people and i think it continues to be a challenge hmm. um uh, learning how to be a good manager and then a good mentor, right? And mm. and being able to to see past the fact that people may not be working with you forever, uh, but it is worth investing in them when they they were they are with you. Uh, and of course now with um um as as we uh, at least in recent years, uh, we are dealing with a, a younger workforce coming into um the company. Um, fresh out of COVID, they spend their entire university in throughout uh, in a lockdown. For example, yeah. uh, they are less likely to want to work from a, a physical office permanently. They are more likely to look for purpose. They say, and then it's the challenge of um, looking inwards, right, and saying, "Look, as a company." Do we have a corporate purpose, and what is that corporate purpose? I think um, these are these are the type of challenges that we continue to deal with on a regular basis. Um, and then uh, there is also the part, as I said, about creating visibility. There is a, a lot of humility being taught in our Asian culture. If you're doing a good job, you wait for someone else to tell you you're doing a good job. You don't go out and say, I, I, I'm a great, successful person in litigation PR, for example. I mean, I feel embarrassed when, when, when you say that. I still do, right? And, and that is why we exist, actually, funnily, because um, clients engage us to do that for them. And so what we have done, like you said, how do you overcome this challenge? Um, one of the things we did internally, now that we are big enough, was to have a group of people look at each other's PR and visibility and marketing. So instead of us trying to go to people and say, I'm really good, have me on your show, Ritu, I think, oh, you're writing a book, you should interview me. So you see, what happened instead was that a colleague of mine went to you and said, hey, you're writing a book, you should interview my colleague. And then we're sort of doing that for each other and being each other's cheerleader. Yes. No, I think that's such a good point because creating visibility, as you rightly said, I mean, I run uh, women leadership programs, leadership programs. And one of the things we talk a lot about is how do you create visibility? And one of the things we talk about is this, that how do you have a network who can then speak to you? So don't necessarily speak to yourself, but create a network that can then speak for you. And and I'm happy that you mentioned that, that, you know, how you're a, how you all are supporting each other and kind of, you know, talking about the other person so that that's still done. The visibility is created, but through other person and which also actually makes it even more credible when you do it through somebody else, right? You've had such a great, great run. What were 
some pockets, some people who really supported you in this journey. When you look back, you say, oh, without them, probably, you know, I wouldn't have got here. Like, what is what does that support look like as you look back? And even now, maybe, maybe it continues. Well, I started off talking about my mother. I have to start off again um, yeah. saying that um, um, my mother, my father, my parents, they have been supportive in their own way. Um, they are Asian parents, so of course they have along the way stopped me and said, so what exactly are you doing? Do you have enough money? So I, I think um, whilst, whilst they, they had that kind of traditional um, conversations with me regularly, on the other hand, um, they have always been very proud of what I do and in and, 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 and their own way very supportive of allowing me to do all these. And, and I would say um, that that is very important in, in, in that journey yeah. that I took. Um, of course, um, uh, the other area of it is, is that I, I had a lot of support um, from friends and, and people in the industry and people that uh, were like my chosen family, I say. Right. Um, so that's my family and that's people that I chose to be my family. My business partners, for example, and many clients, um, they've supported us over the years. Of course, now I better say my husband, too. I love to be very much involved in a lot of community projects, community mm. committees and organizations, charities. And I continue to to be very active in that circle, even though I love to practice. I was prepared to give it up because two things. One, I didn't have enough time for my family at all. Um, and number two, I didn't have time at all to be part of any organizations outside of work. And I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, today, I sit in about eight different charity boards and, and committees. And I really love the work that I do there. So I think um, I am grateful. I met a man who accepted that and said, okay, you're going to be very busy at work, but you're also going to be involved in all these comedies and charities and, and stuff that don't make money, but that's okay um, if you like it. So I'm grateful for all that support. Nice, nice. I mean, uh, so many things you said uh, make so much sense. Th you know, like you said, starts with our parents supporting us, but also having a bunch of people around us. And that's, again, one of the things... I tell, um, you know, women leaders is that don't just get sucked 100% in your work. Try and get a community even outside work, whether it's your friend, it could be your colleagues, but develop that network. Because I think, I mean, it's important for men too, but men inherently probably are better at networking. Women have to just make that little bit more effort. But once they do that, I mean, those are the people who become the biggest cheerleaders. So I'm glad you you mentioned all of this, and especially the point about doing things even outside work. Uh, you know, um, which kind of leads me to a little bit more serious question, conversation or question. Um, how do you define success? I think success in different areas of our life uh, mm. it, it looks different. Um, success at work primarily has to be um, having a good profit or revenue. Revenue than profit, right? I think that's still very critical uh, about running a business. But that cannot be the only definition or outcome of what a success looks like for running a business. Having people who say they are part of that business, they are team players, they see it as their career, I think that's important. Being able to uh, the outcomes that our clients want, um, that is definitely success. Yeah. Um, clients coming back to us, 
And, you know, I have clients who are about 20 years old with us. So that is success, right? They may not be our highest billing client today, but we are proud that um, we've made them happy and we've fulfilled whatever they want to pay us for and so well that they come back to us year after year. That is success. So I think on the business front, um, that's what success looks like. I think for um, in my personal life, success is about having and being able to continue to create shared memories with my family. Being there and being present is very important. Um, whether they are for the younger generation, um, the aging parents and grandparents type, it's about being there. It's really about being there, having a lot of shared memories, laughter, and and meals together. I mean, for my family, at least eating is a big thing, right? So just yeah. being able to eat together is so important. Yeah. Oh, nice. If you look back, um, what would you tell your younger self? Like what actionable or very tactical <laughs> advice would you have for your younger self? Wow. Okay. Um, don't be in such a hurry to go old. There's nothing good in going old yet. I, I would say... Go ahead, enjoy yourself. Hmm. You're doing a great job. Yeah, great. Is there any other thought or insights you have that you think could benefit, um, you know, me or the listeners or anybody else? Yeah, I, I, I give talks regularly to young people. I mean, the schools invite me, and and I do that with all the young people who joined our company. Um, I always do a talk with them um, within the first month of them joining, and. I'll try to exercise on you. Sure. Um, you know, for college, how many subjects did you take? Six, six, right? Okay. Tell me, tell me your favorite subject. Quick one. Just one. Eco- Name okay. It. Economics at that time. What did you score for economics? Oh God. I got a, I think in college I got a 72 or something. Yeah. Is that an A? I don't know. I think that's an A. <laughs> so essentially I've tried this exercise on a lot of people and nobody ever gave me a favorite subject that they failed in. Yeah. Or, or even scored a B or a C. Most of the time, 80% of the time, they scored an A. Otherwise, sometimes they scored a B. Yeah. But nobody ever gave me a favorite subject where they scored a C in. And, 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 and so when young people ask me this, wow, Palin, how do you know you're supposed to do law and not PR? And I tell them, I didn't know I'm supposed to do law and not PR. I mean, you heard my story. It was like, Accidentally, accidentally I, I got into doing PR, but it doesn't mean I, I didn't enjoy law. It also didn't mean that I didn't do well in law. And I think if I tomorrow become a Grab driver, I would be an excellent Grab driver. I mean, I love driving and I'm a conversational person, so I would talk to people. I would, be, I would get Grab driver of the year award within two years, I'm sure. So, I mean, so at the end of the day, when young people say, how do you know, how do I know what I'm supposed to do in life? My answer to them is very simple. Go look for something that you do well in, not something you enjoy, because yeah. just because you enjoy it. And, and what do I enjoy? They say, what's your passion? I said, my passion is sleeping, eating, watching TV. You think I get out of bed every morning wanting to come to work? No way. I, I would rather watch Netflix all day long. Um, so passion has to be something that is more of an attitude than the thing that you want to do and if you are able to see it from that angle then bring passion to everything you do bring passion to your work bring passion to your family when you're planning a family outing a holiday 
um, a friend's birthday, bring passion in. Passion is something you can put in your pocket and bring along with you everywhere you go. Be passionate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. How I love that. That is gold. Thank you so much, Melin. I mean, I, like I said, I took away so much. Um, if I were to summarize the top three learnings I had in this, um, one, I started with the thing that when you said about how focusing on people is so important. And actually, this is very relevant for even first time managers that, you know, the minute you become a manager, now you have responsibility for people. So make sure right at the start of your career, if you're managing people, you're taking care of them, you're investing in them and you're, you know, you're working with them. The other part was creating visibility, how, you know, we all are reluctant to create visibility for ourselves. But if we have a strong network, a strong ecosystem, those people can actually help create visibility for us. And that's that's a fantastic way to do that. And something, again, very doable. The third piece, of course, I have to say is this whole don't just do something you enjoy, but do something that you're good at. I mean, that that was brilliant for me. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure our listeners are going to do too. And thank you so much for your time. Last words, anything else from you? Go chase the rainbow. <laughs> Great, go chase the rainbow. Thank you so much once again. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Thank you so much for staying with us till the end. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please take a moment to subscribe to the show rate us five stars and leave a review. This really helps others find the show and that means a lot to us. Thank you for joining us today. This is Ritu with Rewrite the Rules podcast. See you next time.